0: your Bibles if you have them today and go ahead and be found in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Isn't it good to start off a service with baptism? Amen. And then carry on right into worship. And then uh, begin a second part of a series that we started last week called Tell Someone. And uh, I kind of called it Tell Me, Tell Someone because... If if somebody has shared the gospel with you and you've trusted in Christ as your Savior and God has changed your life, then you can't help but to share what you've seen and what you've heard about the gospel. And we come to part two today. Last week, we looked at the first number, which is number three. Pray daily for three lost friends to come to Christ. And today, we want to do the first number one, which is to learn one spiritual conversation. So I want to take you to Matthew chapter 28 and this is the Great Commission. This is the command of our Lord to go and to share your faith. The, the spiritual conversation that we're learning through Sunday school, to go out and to share that. So look what the Scripture says in Matthew 28, 18 and following. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit." teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time. Lord, we are humble today that you as sovereign God, you who do not need us, But still allow us, through our salvation, to take part in the greatest activity in the universe. And that's to tell people about Jesus. Lord, there is nothing greater on the planet than the words of Jesus that Jesus saves. I pray, Lord, that through this message that we would be encouraged, convicted, convicted, inspired to go and to be a better disciple of Jesus, that as we're learning how to share our faith through Sunday school and how each teacher is weaving in the gospel over these next few weeks left in this part, in this part, six weeks part of their Sunday school lessons, God, that we would be on fire to share our faith with all. Father, I thank You for just a few minutes ago as one of our deacons, Brother Warren, shared about our country today and how it is at the forefront of our mindset how most of us woke up this morning and as we turned the television on, we were able to relive that horrific day 15 years ago. Lord, our greatest tragedy in America... I believe also brought our greatest unity. And how, Lord, that lasted just for a short time. And as sin began to rise to the top and the diversity and disunity, all of those things seemed to rise. Lord, we find ourselves 15 years later more divided, more sin, more misdirection. More lack of leadership. Father, the list can go on and on. God, we need you. We need your forgiveness. We need to repent of our sins. And Father, although the world is sick and we desire that the world change, Lord, the Bible says judgment starts in the house of God. And I pray, Lord, it would encourage us to be soul winners for Jesus. So Lord, we lift up our country today on this special day. I realize that there are many in this room that were affected in a great way. Some went to New York and served. Some went overseas and fought for our country. And Lord, we appreciate them so very much. And Lord, we're thankful for them. Lord, use this message to make us more like You. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Matthew 28:18 through 20 I just mentioned a few minutes ago The Bible says to go and to make disciples So you have to ask yourself before you even look at this the rest of this text what in the world is a disciple He does not use the word saved or use the word born again both of those terms are scriptural they are biblical So, we don't discredit that. But Jesus says, telling his disciples to go, therefore, and make disciples. So, what is a disciple? Somebody has said a disciple is one who has come to Jesus Christ for salvation from sin, has claimed Jesus as Savior and Lord, and has embarked upon a life of following Jesus in every aspect, in every area of life. A disciple is a person who is saved. And is leading others to Christ who are leading others to Christ. That is a disciple. Our greatest purpose in life is to be a disciple of Jesus. The first step, many of you have already learned that. You have accepted Jesus as your Savior. You have given Him your life. You have repented of your sins. And you're walking daily to follow Him. But to be a true disciple means that you are pouring into someone else. What someone did for you. When they shared Christ with you and you trusted in Jesus, you begin to share that again. That is what a Christian, is. that is what a, Christ follower, what a Christ follower is. And I'm afraid that for the majority of Christians in life, we will die and stand in front of Jesus having never fulfilled our purpose on this earth. Statistics tell us that probably 90 to 95% of all Christians have never shared their faith. If I was to ask this morning, and I don't want to embarrass, so I choose not to, how many of us this week just shared one gospel conversation with somebody? I think it would be very convicting. And it should lead us to repentance. Because we had time for all other things this week, but what about the greatest Purpose in our life, and that is to share the gospel. So, I want to encourage you this morning by three simple words. Three words are all this morning. And and I don't want to put down and I don't want to condemn, I want to encourage because it's our job. If somebody wants to be saved, we have to share the gospel. Jesus has given us that command to go and to make disciples. So there's three words that I want to encourage you with this morning from this text. The first one, look in verse 18. The Bible says, And Jesus came and spoke to them. This is to the disciples. There were others around the area. But I believe He's specifically talking to His disciples. Those that are, that are, that are interested in hearing what He has to say. All authority has been given to me in heaven and also on Earth. Now I want to stop right there because when I asked you what's the great commission, you'd say, it, it, it's go therefore, make disciples. And it is. But you have to include verse 18. Verse 19 is not possible unless verse 18 is a reality. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me on heaven and also on earth. So the first word is the word submit. It's the word Submit. That as a disciple of Jesus, if we really take to heart learning this one spiritual conversation, not learning just for knowledge, but learning to share, we have to submit to the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. Before Jesus states the Great Commission, verse 19 through 20, He establishes His divine authority to command it. Jesus has every right to say, go and make disciples. He has overcome the grave. He has overcome sin. He has overcome the enemy. He has overcome everything. And today, He says, go and make disciples. You can do that because you have submitted to the Lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. You remember the three that were baptized just a few minutes ago. Is Jesus your Savior? Yes. Is He your Lord? So you can't have one without the other. Jesus came to die for all. He's our Savior. Jesus came to reign supreme. He's our Lord. And there's no one else like it. So we take the word submit. The word authority, it refers to the freedom, the right to speak or the, or act as one pleases. Jesus is telling His disciples, I have every single right to be able to share with you what, Jesus, what, what I've commanded you to do, and that's to go out and to share your faith. Submission to the absolute sovereignty of Jesus Christ is not an option for believers It is our supreme obligation. It is not negotiable. It is not adjustable to one's particular inclinations or plans. It is rather an attitude that says with absolute sincerity, whatever the Lord commands, I will do it. And if Jesus says, go and make disciples, I want to submit to His command and submit to His Lordship and to go and to share the gospel with those who are not saved. Many of you, I believe, before I came, about this time last year, you were taking the Bible study, Shared Jesus Without Fear. you, You might not have taken it last year, but in the years past, I have also taken that class and was very encouraged by it. But William Fay, the author, shares six reasons why people do not share their faith. These are not going to be surprising to you. In fact, these are all excuses that we've used before. The first one is this. We don't share our faith because we have a fear of being rejected. There is a great hurt when it comes to rejection. But please understand, when people reject you, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus and the Bible. They're rejecting the Gospel. They may say something to you. They may even curse you or even say things against you. But they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. And they're rejecting his gospel. Jesus wants to use you. Let God use your message. God cannot use your sin and silence. But he can use what you have. And that's to share the gospel. Number two is to fear of what friends will think. We are scared because of what our friends may think. Let me ask you now. What do your friends think of you now? Oh, my friends appreciate me. My friends really, really love me. And I want to keep that relationship together. So basically what you're saying is either you can share your faith or you cannot do anything and through your silence and your love, send them straight to hell. See if you really, really love them. You'll get away all of the stuff that's on the surface and get down to the nitty-gritty. Do you know Jesus? And have you accepted Him as your Lord and Savior? So don't use the, 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 the thing for what my friends will think. What if your friends get saved? What does he think of you now? He'll become your best friend. She'll become your best friend. Number three, I don't think I can share with my co-workers. I, you know, I just don't feel like I can do that. I don't feel like I can be in that place. It, it was St. Francis of Assisi who said, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. Uh, a couple of years ago, I remember uh, uh, a member of a former church coming to me and say, Brother John, would you pray that God would give me another job? I said, okay. I said, why do you want to leave your job? Well, there's no Christians there. I said, absolutely. I'm going to pray that God will keep you there. Now, you don't understand. I hear cursing every day. I hear this, this, and this. And I want to leave and go to a place that is more environmentally friendly. And I'm going to say, no, I'm going to ask that God keeps you there because you are the light. You are the light in that darkness. You preach the gospel in every single way that you can. If it's necessary, use words. But God has put you there as a light to make a difference. You submit to the Lordship and you share your faith, the reason why God has you there. Number four, I don't know enough. Most of the people who say I don't know enough have been in church for ten or more years. And what has happened is, is we've consumed so much knowledge, we've become spiritually fat. And what we need to do is to let go of some of that information. You know more than you think you know. So you go and let the Lord use your mouth. Let Him be that mouthpiece. And you go and you share the gospel. Number five is this, I'm afraid of losing my friends and my relatives. We don't share our faith because we're afraid of losing our friends, losing our relatives. When we surrender our life to Christ, it may cost you every single relationship that you have. But that's the cost of coming to know Christ. Do you remember in John chapter 21, Peter, a couple of chapters earlier, had denied Christ? Jesus had gone to the cross, He had risen again, now He's at the seashore, Peter is coming. Remember, they had caught some fish and they were were cooking some fish and Jesus was reinstating Peter. You remember the first question Jesus asked Peter, Do you love me more than what? These. Now nobody knows what the these were. You can say it was the fish in nets. Do you love me more than those? Are you willing to turn back from all of them in order to follow me? I would say it goes a step further. Do you love me more than these? And looking at all of his disciples. Peter, do you love me? Am I number one in your life? Am I greater than your spouse? Am I greater than your children? Am I greater than your family? Am I greater than your friends? Am I greater than your church friends? Am I the greatest one in your life? If that's true, it doesn't matter what your friends will say. Number six, I don't know how. And that may be a logical excuse. I don't know how. That's why we're taking these six weeks through our Sunday school to learn how. To learn how to share our faith. That little brochure you received last week in, in Sunday school. And they're all over the church. It says, it's got that, that uh, emblem on the front. Tell, tell someone in that package. You'll walk right through what it means to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. Several months ago, I used the illustration of the three circles. How you draw three circles. And it represents how you walk through the, the gospel of Jesus. You say, I don't know how. If you've been saved, you know because somebody told you how to give your life to Christ. Share your testimony. How you turn your life around. How Jesus Christ has changed you. So those are a lot of the reasons why we don't share our faith. But Jesus says in verse 18, All authority has been given in heaven and earth. We submit to Him. Then, verse 19, the Bible says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. If if you write in your Bible, I want you to underline four words in this text. In verse 19 and 20. The first one is the word, go. Go. Just underline it. The second one is the word baptizing. You can underline that one. The third one is the word teaching in verse 20. You can underline that one. Brother John, I thought you said there were four. There are. Now, back up in verse 19, the phrase, make disciples. I want you to put brackets around that one. Brackets, parentheses. I want that to be distinguished between the other three verbs in this passage. There are four main verbs. Go, make disciples, baptize, and teach. And all of them have a specific purpose in the text. The main verb in this text, verse 19, is the verb make disciples. It's the only command. Jesus does not command us to go. I'll tell you why in a minute. Jesus does not command us to baptize. I'll tell you why in a minute. Jesus does not command us in this text to teach. But He does command us in verse 19 to make disciples. It is the only imperative in this text make disciples. It is the main verb. It's the word that means those who place their trust in Jesus and follow Him in lives of continual learning and continual obedience. The term here disciple oftentimes is used as an apprentice. It's an equivalent term, an apprentice. A disciple attached himself to a teacher, identified with Him, learned from Him, lived with Him. He learned not simply by listening but also by doing our Lord called twelve disciples and taught them so that they might be able to teach others also so Jesus gives the command to make disciples so here's the second word remember what's the first one submit the second one share if you submit to the Lordship of Christ by what he's done for you he has all authority then we share what Christ has done for us A week ago, Saturday, not yesterday, but a week ago, Saturday, me and Joel uh, hooked up the boat and went north to Sardis. It's the first time we've had a chance to go fishing since back around May or something. We've had some opportunities, but uh, just don't fish a lot in the the hot weather. Uh, We do a lot in the winter, but we went. We wanted to go out there and, and catch some fish, and my brother was going to be out there, and my dad was going to be out there, so we were going to corner them. I said, you get to one side, I get to one side, you get to the other side, and we're going to meet in the middle. We're just going to corner them. We're going to get there. So we get out there 30 minutes before daylight like you're supposed to and not a soul in sight. And we put the boat in and we're on the south side of the lake and there's a northeast easterly wind. And if you've ever been on Sardis, when, it, when it's windy like that, by the way, the prediction was light and variable. So um, when you put in like that, the lake rolls from the east to the west if you don't know what rolls are, that's one step above a white wave. It doesn't look too windy, but it rolls. So we put in, and uh, my Dad and my brother's on the other side because they're coming from the north. And I drive a little bit out, and I'm like, all right, Lord, uh, I know you command all the wind. You need to calm this down. I mean, this is a light and variable day right now. It uh, looks like a nor'easter that is coming through. So we drive out to our spot. I wanted to go out to nearly the middle of the lake. There's a river that runs through. And there's some deep water there and to try to fish. So we get to our spot as the sun rises. I get my uh, uh, normal picture of every sunrise that I go. That's just, a, it's just a, the, 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 the whole meaning of the trip is to see the sunrise. And I'm sitting there and I'm fishing. And, and the lake is rolling so much that every wave, my trolling motor was coming out of the water. And if you've never fished, that means that's pretty, pretty good-sized waves. Uh, got a decent-sized boat, a decent-sized trolling motor, but it was not enough. I mean, it was a, the conditions were horrible. So I called Dad. I said, Dad, uh, what would your weatherman say? I said, on the south side of the lake, we're about to go under. And uh, he said, well, I don't know. It's pretty windy. I said, let's go closer to the bank. See, long story short, we went closer to the bank, fished that entire day and brought home zero fish. Now, I appreciate those that laughed, but <laughs> but the most important part of that day was not the fish in the cooler. The most important part of that day was getting to fish. See, I went home. I was fine. I didn't have to clean any. Got home and, and I was able to, to catch up on some ball games. But my greatest joy is just to go fish. There can be blessings when they bite. And that just adds to a better day. As Christians, it ought to be a joy to wake up every day and go fish for souls. Brother John, the conditions are not right. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes you have to move around a little bit. Sometimes you have to adjust what you're doing, but... It's just the opportunity to go and to be a fisher of men. And if God blesses and he allows you to catch one and see someone come to know Christ, that just adds a better part of the day. It's our job to fish. It's the Lord's job for that fish to bite that hook of the gospel and to come to know Christ as their Savior. We submit. But then we also, we share. We make disciples. That's the command, to make disciples. Then there's three other verbs in this text. These three verbs, go, baptize, and teach. These are not commands. These are participles, which means as you are going, you are baptizing, you are teaching. It is an an assumption to those that are believers. That as we share faith, it comes natural that because you are a human being saved by grace, that your natural tendency is to go. And as you are going, you're to make disciples. So you would go. It's a part of, so as you are going, we're not to wait for the world to come to our door, but to go out to the world. It's better translated having gone. That's not so much a command, it is an assumption. Christians are assumed to be soul winners. And it disturbs us, especially in Southern Baptist life, that we have hundreds of more churches today, but less people are getting saved today than there were in 1950. We have dropped the ball. We have not gone out and fished. We have not gone out to share our faith. So we go as we are going, we are making disciples. That's the command. The second one is and the third one is this. When those people become disciples, when they give their life to Christ, then we baptize. Also, it is assumed. Now, in other parts of scripture, it is commanded to be baptized. We don't believe that baptism saves you. We do believe baptism is commanded in Scripture. So if there's anybody who has been saved and not baptized, every single day that you refuse not to be baptized is a life of disobedience. Even though you're saved, you will be held accountable for that. So if you've been saved and never have been baptized, to get that taken care of as soon uh, as possible. So we baptize. The word baptize means to immerse in water. It's the initial act of obedience to Christ after salvation. It is to submit to baptism as a testimony to union with Him in death, burial, and resurrection. The three that were baptized uh, this morning, the four that will be baptized tonight, it's a picture of their old life going under and their new life coming up. It's a picture of Jesus dying and rising again. It's a public display of what's happened inside your heart. That's what baptism is. New Christians should be taught that they should be baptized as soon as possible. Not to seal or or confirm their salvation, but to make public testimony to it in obedience to their newfound Lord. So we baptize. Then the fourth word is the word teaching. We baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That is the triune God, all three in one. Verse 20, teaching them after they get saved and they get baptized, they begin to walk in their faith. Teaching is the mission of the church. It's not just to convert, but it's to teach. That's why I'm so passionate about a small group ministry, Sunday school. That is the backbone of discipleship. I can't do it all in the worship services. Brother Andy can't do it all through choir. Jeremy can't do it all through youth. So we have a small group system. And out of those small groups are women's Bible studies and other Bible studies. Co-ed open up to other folks. But all it's an umbrella under our small group, our Sunday school. Because that gives you an opportunity to grow in your faith. Teaching them to obey all things. Whatsoever I've commanded you. Then let me share with you the third word. The first word is submit. The second word is the word share. The third word is the word supply. I don't want you to miss this. The last part of verse 20 says, I am with who? You. When? Always. Even to the end of the age. There's an interjection in verse 20. It's the word low. -L 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 L O. It means that when they frequently use to call attention, it'd be like me saying, Hey! Every one of you just looked right up at me. It's an interjection. And lo! Hey, as you go out and you make disciples and you baptize and you teach them, Hey, remember that I am with you always. Brother John, I don't know what to say. Good. Jesus is with you. Brother John, what about my friends? I don't know. But Jesus is with you. Brother John, what, 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 if, I, what, if, what if they come back in a, in a derogatory way? That's okay. Jesus is with you. Brother John, what if they don't get saved? That's okay. Jesus is with you. He will give you the words to say. And He'll give you the power to go and to share your faith. The word I am is emphatic, which means I myself it's as if Jesus is telling His disciples, I know I'm about to go away and ascend to heaven, but I'm going to be with you. The Holy Spirit of God, which is the third person of the Trinity, you cannot separate the three, so will be with you and He will give you all power to go and to share your faith. The great Dwight L. Moody was preaching one, in a, one day and at the close of his meeting A critic came up to him and said, during your sermon this week, I counted 18 mistakes in your message. Dwight L. Moody responded, young man, I'm using to the glory of God all the grammar that I know. Are you doing the same? Let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed this morning, I simply ask you the question today, First off, do you know Jesus? It's a gospel that not only has to be listened to, but it's a gospel that must be received. And if you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus Christ. You haven't surrendered your life to Him. He can save you today if you'll open up your heart and invite Him to be a part of your life. In just a few minutes, I'm going to be down here in the front and so with Brother Jeremy. And if God's opened up your heart, and you want to know how to become a follower of Jesus and how to walk with Jesus, I encourage you to take part in that in just a few minutes. You may be here today and you know you're saved, but you've never been baptized. Can I encourage you to take care of that? Because every day you wait, it's going to be harder. The enemy is there saying, you know, you don't have to. You know, just, just wait till next time. There's too many people here this morning. Maybe do it later on. Would you surrender to the Lordship of Christ and say, Lord, I need to follow the Lord and Believers baptism? You may need to come and say, Brother John, I've been saved, but I've never been baptized. You may be a guest and you say, Brother John, I know I'm saved. I've been baptized, but I know this is where God's called me to be a part of. This is where I want to join. This is where I want to plant roots and to be a servant and to come, a part, uh, come, come be a part of this church to go and to make disciples with them. I want to do that. If God's leading you to do that, then you can do that here in just a moment. But the last challenge is this. It's to every Christian in this room are you fulfilling your greatest purpose on this earth and that's to share the gospel starting tomorrow and even starting today you're going to share about a lot of things there's a lot of activity in the news wind today it can be politics, it can be sports it can be what's happening in our country with 9-11 but there's none greater Telling somebody about Jesus. Would you commit in your life, I'm going to pray for three lost people. But I'm also going to learn one spiritual. I'm going to learn how to share my faith. If it's the last thing I'll do on this earth, I'm going to learn how to share my faith. And I'm going to be bold in my witness. You may want to come and just say, Brother John, uh, help me. uh, pray with me for that. You may want to come to this altar and say, I want to give that to the Lord. And just give it to Him. Father, God, would you speak to our hearts. And as you have spoken today, God, may we submit to you. May we share. And may we know that you supply all the power and the words to be able to share our faith in Jesus' name. You stand.